Welcome to the WebWell podcast brought to you by Cascade Web Development. I'm one of your hosts, Simon, along with Ben, and we can't wait to dive into all things internet, tech, web development, and web design. We'll also be discussing how we balance work and life and exploring the fascinating world of internet innovation. So whether you're a tech enthusiast or just looking for some entertainment, join us on this exciting journey as we explore the ever-changing landscape of the web. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. All right, everyone. Welcome to episode number seven of the WebWell podcast brought to you by, I can't even talk yet. Let's let's redo this. And I may include it. Welcome, everyone, to the WebWell podcast. Episode number seven brought to you by Cascade Web Development. Joined with me is Ben, as always. And our special guest today is Paul Geis. Hello, Paul. Welcome, Paul. Thanks for having just, me. Pleasure to be yeah, here. Yeah, just just so you know, listeners, he waved. So he he waved as you as you were listening in your radios. Uh, but uh, Paul, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Uh, today's topic. Uh, we need your help. That's why we called you up. Uh, <laughs> called you up as if like the big leagues. Like you got called up, Paul, um, to join us. So today's podcast, uh, we're going to talk about Google Analytics. Um, Universal, and more specifically, GA4. Um, but let's start by getting to know Paul. Paul, now to you. Tell us a little about yourself. Uh, I've uh, been working with Cascade for either either it's just over 19 or going on 19 years. I don't exactly remember. I think it's going, I think it's over 19 years now because I'm pretty sure. Okay, Ben's nodding, so that's. I think so. Over 19 years, right? A long time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the, pause for uh, a second. I realized. I realized this, uh, Ben. You were talking about your daughter's age being what? Seventeen, right? Yep. Just turn. Seventeen. So I, I have a young child, but you guys all had kids prior to starting with Cascade, and now I have like families, and we're looking at like college, right, Paul? Like. Did you have cat- my, kids? Yeah, my youngest. Yeah, my right. youngest is just turned eighteen and is graduating <sighs> high school this this week. And uh, yeah, she's going to do community college uh, PCC first mm. um, because they don't really know what they what careers interest them other than something in the arts. Um, but yeah, it's 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 wacky to think that oh my my son who is twenty one was was two when I started. Which is yeah, was, he was at the interview. He was at the interview at Starbucks, I believe, and and uh, part of the reason you no were somewhat way. delayed, if memory serves. No, no, he wasn't. No, it was it was at uh, a uh, Red Robin. It was Red at a Red Robin. Robin in Vancouver. And no, I was delayed because of my son, but not. I did not bring him with me. I was delayed because I had to wait for my wife to get home because also she had the only car we had. So. Right. Wow. Well, and interestingly enough, to your point, Simon, the uh, you know Stefan had a very young child. Paul had young family. And I think that was one of the big draws with Cascade. At least that's my story sticking to that is that, you know, we had a number of young fathers that wanted to be pretty active in their kids' lives and work from home. So we started that right off the bat. And so when the pandemic hit, you know, whatever, 15 years later, it's like, this is all we know. So it was pretty familiar with our crew, but yeah, it's been really fun watching young families get older and uh, going through those chapters together. Yeah. Yeah, And I met... uh, Previous to Cascade, I met Stefan in my in my first real tech job at uh, a company called Buy Sell Bid, which has long been defunct now. Um, 
but uh, at the time, his his son was, I think, a one and a half or two years old uh, when I met Stefan, and he just turned twenty five now, I think. <laughs> so it was like, wow, okay, that's weird. Um, but uh, yeah, I started I started being just an HTML monkey at uh, making banner ads and uh, doing some basic Photoshop stuff. And the uh, it's actually kind of funny because I started doing like analytics and measuring user interactions at Buy Sell Bid because we were using a, another company for it. And uh, at the time, there was no kind of mechanism to do that. So we had to, again, create these tools to measure these metrics. Who's coming to our site? What, what ads are they clicking on? Um, so that we could see which markets were you know, at full saturation, which ones needed more pushback because it was it was a lot to do with radio advertising as well. So they needed to pour more money into different markets. Um, and uh, funny enough, the uh, I can't remember what they call it, Black Tuesday, Black Monday, something like that, when the everything on the internet went just downhill overnight. Um, it was uh, it was funny. I mean, Stefan and I recall uh, call it the pizza, the great pizza party, because uh, everybody got pizza who was getting laid off. And we were treated to the the, the best buffet that the uh, the Vancouver Sheridan had to offer. Oh wow! Um, and and it was like seventy five percent of the company disappeared. Um, and eventually that got whittled down some more. But after after that, I got a job in Silicon Valley at a company doing kind of what I do now, just kind of the odd jobs. Be like, oh, we need a developer to do this thing. Yeah, okay, great. And I was still like nineteen twenty. And uh, didn't really think, oh, that's impossible. Yeah, you can't do that. This it was like, yeah, sure, I'll figure out some way to do it. And uh, it was the most like MacGyvered solution you can think of sometimes, but it but it got the job done. Um, so that's that's what my bosses at the time were were looking at. And uh, I was there about a year, almost two years, um, before moving back to the Pacific Northwest uh, to be closer to uh, my wife's. At, I got married, we got married, and then we moved back to the Pacific Northwest to be closer to my wife's family. And I continued to do the kind of odd tech jobs for another year until uh, Stefan called me out of the blue um, with an actual like phone call, uh, which was weird. Um, but uh, he uh, was like, hey, are you still like developing stuff? And I'm like, yeah. Like, hey, great! Uh, I need you to meet this dude and me at this place, and uh, because we need some help. And uh, at the time, there was there was more work that Stefan Stefan could handle, uh, which mm. was always a good thing, um, yeah. unless you actually can't get the work done. So they hired me on a on a contract basis, and uh, from there it grew to more like an hourly basis, and then it grew to, you know, full time salaried position. I, I, I for a time I had business cards. But you know that the the time of the business card has since passed us, so now we don't do that anymore. But um, since two thousand four, I've been working with uh, with Cascade, still doing kind of a lot of odd jobs. The I mean, you call it odd jobs, wearing many hats. Some of it's like DevOps for for maintaining our our web servers. Some of it's front end development, back end development, middleware development, um, connecting to APIs. I could literally go on for three or four days um, because clients call us and they're like, Hey, we want to do this thing. And we're like, yeah, okay, let's, let's do that thing. So and, yeah, uh, mini hats or Swiss army knife, right? 
But I, w- I will say that uh, that Swiss Army knife has uh, way more tools in it. And the odd jobs you're doing are incredibly complex, robust web solutions serving huge user bases. Uh, so yeah, don't don't undersell yourself too much, Paul. But it's it's been pretty amazing seeing that evolution over time, no doubt about it. Yeah, there's there's definitely definitely been some some fun bits that were were possibly mind-numbingly complex in nature. But with my okay, what's the easiest way to do it? Like the uh, Bill Gates was like, if you have a job, give it to a lazy person. They'll find the easiest, most efficient way to do it. While I don't consider myself lazy, I do try to find that that the quickest easiest, fastest solution to get the goal you want. Um, and thankfully, the, the the mentality of nothing is quite impossible. It's just kind of difficult to do. I've, I've been able to maintain that throughout my career for, for hopefully the benefit of all of our clients, because we've had some really odd requests come through and they were like, I'm not sure this is possible. And I was like, hold my Portland craft beer while I figure out your problem. And uh, and thankfully, the that's gotten a, a a very positive response from our clients. Nice, very nice. Well, two things. One, uh, business cards are still a thing. Um, we don't use them often. I had to print these up for uh, an event uh, that I I went to for. Uh, we were doing a portfolio reviews for students here in in Spokane, and so. We did get some business cards. If you ever need some, I'll send the file to you, Paul, and you can get them printed. <laughs> but uh, yes, definitely a, a difference uh, in how we do business now, right? But uh, speaking of that difference too, is is one of the tools in your quiver, if you will, Paul, the one that we look to you for is Google Analytics. Um, and so we'll, we'll dive in on the topic because I, I think it's a big one, but more specifically, it's on, uh, it's timely. Uh, there is a time crunch on some of this. And so uh, we thought we'd get this out for listeners, share it via email on socials, try to get it out, uh, see if we can just be a resource for for people looking for information on this. So uh, I think good place to start would be what is Google Analytics? What What is it that we've known Google Analytics to be? Um, and I think we, I, I, I don't want to say I think we've called it, you've called it, we've called it Google Analytics Universal, Right. Um, maybe you could tell us about where that is at now, uh, and then kind of what this next step or evolution is to GA4. Yeah, the uh, the universal analytics is is kind of a, a more of a broad term, so we just call it like GAU or GA-U. Technically, it's called Google Analytics version three, which is why now we have version four. Um, not like the Xbox naming where they have, hey, here's the Xbox One and then One X. It's like shouldn't it be two. Like, but uh, so there's a reason it's called Google Analytics 4. It's the fourth version of their their analytics software package. Um, the uh, the the current version of of GA3 slash GA Universal uh, includes not only web metrics for who's coming to your website, but it also has a separate kind of subsystem of uh, called Firebase to measure your app engagement too. So people who are are navigating your 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 business structure, your website, or your your data structure through an app, you can measure those metrics as well. With Google Analytics 4, they took all of the things and smashed them into one product. Um, so now, instead of having to track these things separately in different screens, you can you can find a user behavior. They enter your website, for example. They put a thing in their 
cart on the, on the desktop version. And that same user can be tracked when they switch back to their phone, they go to the website again, oh, it's already in my cart and they hit purchase. So with that kind of unification of all their products, you can track that whole user journey from start to finish, from start to sale and see where they're going, what other things they might be looking at um, and, and present it as a more unified format of reporting for, for more, more thorough than, oh, we had 3000 sales this month. Or we had, but you could have 3,000 sales from 1,000 people because you have a popular product. That doesn't mean you had 3,000 visitors to the website. So the new version lets you get more more accurate in your in your user engagement and your user behavior tracking. It's a yeah, you very broad explanation of things. Yeah, you you mentioned, and I, I know we talked about this kind of in some of the prep, but you mentioned um, right there a lot of sales-based kind of stuff. Is Google Analytics appealing to non-e-commerce websites too? I mean, we talked about some of our clients just being, you know, uh, law firms, uh, health organizations, and whatnot. Like, what would it mean to them? Yeah, for the for the solely information-based ones, that you want to get information out to people. You're a law firm and you want to uh, promote your your services. You're a healthcare organization and you want to promote your your healthcare data. Um, or even if you're just running a blog and you want to promote, hey, there's this great new technology or there's, you know, whatever your blog is about, you want to promote those pages. Analytics is, is still useful to that because you can track your user engagement in the site. You can see how many people at, as, as a rough measurement, you can see, oh, I posted this last week and 5,000 people read the article that I posted. Um, and then you can see, oh, well, 4,000 of those people came through this third-party website so I'm, I'm i'm blown up on this site but they're not coming through and clicking on my site why you know maybe the link is hidden or it's something like that so with that kind of with that kind of data you can infer what might be happening about why x is is so popular because of where they're coming from you'd be like oh this portal needs to be made more obvious or more more accessible so that you can get people coming from funneling in where you want them to come from um, that's a, a one example for the more information-based sites. Um, I mean, it does appeal to sales-based sites because you can track, because if you sell somebody something, you want to sell them other things. So you can, you can find that user looking at other items while they're making a purchase. They were interested in this item. You know, if it was a t-shirt, why did they buy, you know, this t-shirt, but they looked at two others that were pretty much exactly the same. You know, why did they choose this one over these two? So maybe you can say, okay, we need to, you know, stop selling this brand because it doesn't sell. People look at it and they go away. I don't know. Maybe there is some extraneous reason why this shirt maker doesn't isn't popular anymore. So that's that's the kind of data, that's the kind of inference you can make from the data you're gathering on your users from that perspective. Okay. So yeah, it's it's in other words, it's taking that data and allowing people to optimize the site, make it more efficient find out spots uh, or, or popular pages, uh, areas that a lot of visitors are going to so that they can actually put some energy and potentially even budget on those pages to better promote whatever they're selling or showing, right? Correct. I mean, there's lots of, of from a technical standpoint, I guess I'll use the analogy of a, of a hospital emergency room. They know that where their traffic is because during the day, Oh, not that many, but on a Friday and Saturday night, they have to have more staff on hand because they've seen traffic spike from mm-hmm. all kinds of things. It's the same thing with your website. If you see your website have spikes in traffic, 
you can you can say okay uh if you're on like an aws uh, elastic system you can during those hours put more re- processing power into it so your site doesn't slow down mm-hmm. um there's uh, uh one of one of our clients does uh training services um very informational but they do have times where they have literally hundreds of thousands of users on their site and that's the time that we identified because okay here's the, here's this time where we need to give them more processing power to make sure their site doesn't slow down. And we can track that through through an analytics model and through an analytics report to say, okay, when's our traffic? Oh, here's our traffic times. And here's where they're going on that site. You know, they're using a very processor intensive, uh, like if they're, if they're viewing videos, they're using a very processor intensive service. So we need to devote more resources to that or, or program it to have more resources than that. And the same thing can be said for, you know, uh, the popularity of a, of a post or content that you're doing. So you can see, oh, this content I posted is, is quite popular. This one, not very popular. And mm. uh, you can see from like, and one example is a time on page. If you have a, a thousand word article and somebody spends two minutes reading it, they're not going to get past the second paragraph. So mm. that means you can, you can look at that thousand word document and be like, okay, nobody's spending more than two minutes on the page. I can reword this to get more hook text in the first paragraph and get them more interested and more engaged. So you can yeah. use it to to better format your content so readers stay longer and they get the information you want to present to them. Okay. And we were talking hey, Paul, about if I could jump in with a quick question. You know, sometimes uh, sometimes Google is is uh, criticized for making certain certain changes in some areas to drive more revenue in other areas of their business. Do you feel like there's much of that going on here or, you know, how, how do we sort of help our, our clients understand where Google's being altruistic and just getting better at what they're doing with analytics and how much of that is also potentially a side benefit or reality that they're also trying to direct uh, more business toward other Google offerings? Well, the uh, a couple things. One, people have to realize that Google itself is a business and their business is to get more business. Um, uh, they have products like, you know, Google ad placement, Google AdWords, which if you go onto your, your administration console in, uh, in your Google analytics, you'll see big old entries for Google analytics, you know, your Google AdWords and AdWords placement. And, and you can purchase those and track that data and its effectiveness through your analytics dashboard. They are providing a valuable service to see where your users are going, what they're looking at. Uh, but they are also they are I, I guess i would put it as loudly offering their services but they're not pushing it on you um they're making it very easy to engage in their adwords content or create a, a content campaign um but it's not required um so whether it's altruistic or not that is not something i can properly uh judge but uh if i ever have a spare 500 i want to put towards you know selling dinosaur themed hula shirts, Google makes it really easy to do so. And I could track the effectiveness of my campaigns. Uh, you laugh, but there's obviously a market for it because I am literally wearing one. So here we are. Um, the, uh, but they, the, but they, they make it very easy to, to start that service and to track its available. I mean, you can also track its effectiveness. You have an AdWord on this site, you know, hula shirts.com, eh, not really effective, but you go to cooldinosaurs.com and it's very effective and you can see those kind of metrics. So you'd be like, you know what? I'm not going to advertise on this site anymore. I'm going to put all my advertising in this site. 
and and double down on that. So you can definitely it, it they definitely make it very easy for you to start purchasing their services and they can track that information and they, they can give you the ability to track the effectiveness of those ads that you're placing. Cool. Okay. So thank you. So at the end of the episode, we'll have a link to the the shirt that you're wearing then um, and add that in there so that people can go get one too for all the listeners. Because they're funny, they don't make it anymore. Ah, okay. Well, so it's it would be if you had a website, it's basically you're you're saying it would be a disadvantage not to have Google Analytics on there. Um, and so I I did a little homework of of where it started, where Google Analytics started, how many sites are using it, and. And throughout the world, basically, there's about 28 million websites that are using Google Analytics on their website properties. And just out of the US alone, 4 million websites. So it would be a pretty tremendous disadvantage not to capture that data, that information to better optimize your site, right? So when uh, when would be a good time to make this switch? Say a website already has Google Analytics or, or GAU or needs to get it, when when would be a good time to make that change? And and I know we've used a couple terms, uh, upgrade or or uh, change too. What is the right word for that? Is it an upgrade? Is it a change? And, and when do they need to do this? The, uh, I mean, the term upgrade means that they're, they're changing the software they have and then making it better. This is definitely more of a switch because the the, the GA3 and the GA4 data models are so vastly different, there's no way to import data from one system to another. You So the best time to to switch to using GA4 was really last year, um, last July or so, when we got that initial notice from Google saying, hey, we're going to sunset this service July 1st, 2023. And in 2021, that didn't sound, that sounded like so far away. It's like, eh, we can worry about that a little bit later. Um, but now that it is less than a month away, um, definitely the sooner the better. The with a lot of our clients, we've been we've been pushing them to upgrade, and and many have been very receptive. Some have been a little bit slower to adopt. Um, moving to G, a GA four service, some are still using both services because we wanted to. They wanted to keep their data consistent and have some historic data when they're looking at their reports. So when they see, oh, this report says I had 35,000 visitors last month, why does this report say I only had 2,000? It's like, well, because you installed this new code like the last week of, you know, May. So that's that those numbers are low. Um, but uh, but getting that historic data so that they can see and, and the historic data really only applies really the last six months or so um, because websites change fairly often. Um, and even even our I mean even our own website gets updated you know regularly you know once a month maybe once every other month, so metrics can be expired very easily because that page doesn't exist anymore, or they're 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 going along a different path to get to the page you want them to go to. Um, so the the I mean the answer was when Google said we're sunsetting the services, but the answer today is today. Okay. Log yeah, into your account. Good. They Google does make it easy to create your GA4 account, and it will be a separate account. Um, so right now you log in, you see your, your your website name or your project name, and then you have all website data and your little code right there, and that's where your analytics live. In GA4, you have a duplicate of that, that top-level block, and now it just says dash GA4 to differentiate from what it is. Um, and then all your reports are directly accessible through that property. 
Um, so they all they also in the in GA four they changed how it's structured uh, as well. So you could have multiple instances previously uh, for you know all website data. You could have truncated data for for a specific view because you wanted just marketing information. You wanted just sales information. So you could create all these different channels. Now, in order to do that in GA4, you'd be creating different custom reports for that. So you can see your sales data or your marketing data in that in that fashion instead of a whole other channel. Okay, so, so that so is Paul, a lot of the difference. If, um, well, Paul, if people are curious on like, what are the next steps? I mean, I don't know, listening to you talk about this, the ins and the outs, I guess I'd feel most comfortable talking to you first. But is it is, is it is it something where clients can feel or web property owners can feel empowered just to hop in and make this change how user-friendly is that experience uh again google is a business and they want to make it as easy as possible for you to start using their services so setting it up is pretty straightforward it's pretty simple to do um and if all you want to do is see how many hits your homepage is getting how many visitors are coming to your site how many are new versus returning um that that process is is fairly simple and i'd encourage anybody to explore it um the uh the the trick is you have goals you want to accomplish and getting the data to report in the fashion that that supports those goals is where like more advanced google analytics uh, reports would come in where more expert advice would come in so if you have a uh, we have one client who has a a fairly involved request because they want to see greater than the default uh they want to see like six or seven levels deep of where users are going on their site from the home page to this page that's not in a standard report. So that's definitely a custom report that that we're working with them to create. Um, so if you need something along that nature, that might be a little difficult to find when you're creating a custom report. And if you're creating a custom report, that interface does look a little intimidating. There are a lot of empty boxes. There are a lot of drop downs, And there are a lot of terms, which even sometimes today, I have to go, it's like, what does that term mean? Like, what are they? Oh, that's what they're talking about. Okay. It used to be called this, but now it's called this. So kind of initial um, registration, get it set up. Then they can hand the code over to us. We drop it in the website, but to the extent they want to start doing some of these custom event tracking setups and the like, I don't know, for me personally, that's where I'd probably call you and say, Hey Paul, how do we get from here to there? What, what options exist? Um, does that sound about right? Yeah. And, and the, uh, the other thing is that a lot of websites you leverage, you the Google Tag Manager, so you can create your own custom events and your own custom tags. And then that adds another layer of complexity if you're using it for specific campaigns for some reason, for uh, if you have a lot of uh, events for, or you're, you're like a, a nonprofit organization and you have a lot of events for a certain charity or something like that, you're sending out marketing emails. So you have not only a custom campaign that you're working, but you also might have custom events too link to that for for whatever you want to track and then those events can be tracked in the google analytics but if you want to make a custom report with using those custom events that are coming from this this other google system mm. that can get a little hairy i bet um, well and, and and just to clarify paul when you talk about a nonprofit that hosts a lot of events be them virtual or in person and then custom event tracking in google analytics are those the same thing uh i was that's that's a good question, and I'm sorry to not clarify. I meant like if somebody has an event like a barbecue, <laughs> that kind of event, they're making a barbecue, and then the custom event tracking is is when somebody does an action on your website that triggers that event. So them just coming to the page that would trigger an event. 
if they click on a certain link, um, you can have a custom event for that link so it's tracked um, because that might go to an external registration form or might go somewhere else on your site. So you can get really nitty gritty about what users are doing on your on your on this web page for this barbecue and um, see what they're doing and what they're clicking on because they can be like, oh, they click this first button, but then weirdly they click back a bunch of ways. Well, that could indicate that people are clicking that button and they don't mean to. It's just the first button because our brains are like muscle memoried into saying, oh, this must mean register. It's like, oh, that's not it. Back and oh, here's a register button. So yeah, and that, that's also it's almost like Google has co-opted the term event into a new form of jargon, where in this case, event, my understanding is it's user activity, a desired user activity, a, a, a series of steps, um, which can easily get confused with if you're hosting events and promoting events on your website. So a good good point of clarification there for sure. Yeah. And and that's that's the, the heart and soul of GA4 is events. Every time somebody does something on your website, they come to your website, they pull up the homepage, that's logged in as an event. They click on a link, that's an event. They fill out a registration form, that's an event. And it could be a conversion if you have some custom tracking set up, you know, because you want people to sign up for your newsletter. And who who doesn't? You want people to get your newsletter. If your goal is to have people sign up for your newsletter in Google Analytics, that could count as a conversion because that's the whole point of it. So you can measure, oh, I sent out this marketing email with this campaign to people. They did click on my link and they pulled up the page and 75% of them filled out the marketing newsletter form so that you can measure your engagement based off all of these events that people are doing as soon as they click up and pull up your website and where they're going in your website. And ultimately, if they fill out your registration form or if they click a link that you want them to click. So it's interesting. So, Paul, do you feel like they've basically changed the term conversion to event? Or instead of that, are we talking, I hate to get too far in the weeds, but are, are, event, are a series of events leading to a conversion, right? Are those synonymous terms or slightly different in, in all the research and the work that you've done around this? The, uh, you, the, the, the client or the client or the site owner, they can decide what a conversion looks like. If a conversion is just pulling up our marketing news, our, you know, our email marketing newsletter to read this article that somebody wrote, that could technically be called a conversion because they clicked the link and they read the article. Um, you can set it so that if a conversion is that they spend more than five minutes on the page, which means they actually read the article instead of just pulling it up and then closing the window, that could be counted as a successful conversion. So it's very much up to the site owner what they want a conversion to look like. Um, and the term conversion is a little bit confusing because you're, I actually don't recall where the term came from, but analytics started using it long ago because they wanted to convert um, leads into sales. Right. So right. that's where Great that term is. It's like GA1. Um, and the term is just stuck around. Yeah. Okay. So conversion is sort of a, a throwback. It's your, it's your to, goal. Yeah. A throwback to oftentimes a more transactional goal and events are perhaps multiple events can lead to a conversion. It's just kind of an evolution of turn. It kind of feels a little less transactional, a little more all encompassing would be my, my takeaway. Does that seem right? Yeah. And they, uh, you can certainly send, you can certainly also set goal and they're actually labeled goals. So you can label goals to be like, oh, I want to increase sales from 20% to 22%. Um, and it will track, you have to create this report to track what sales are over a period of time to see if you are meeting your goal. Um, there's, you can really get very deep in the weeds um, because you can have like multiple funnels going into this goal of 
increasing sales. Because if you have multiple sales channels, you need to track all that data so that funnels into the right report. Um, right. So probably beyond the scope of this chat, but it's it's definitely something that that can get very complicated very quickly, depending on not only the size of your business, but how many sales channels you have and what your 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 end goals actually are. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's... then would that probably lend itself more to the uh, the approach in some cases where it's it's cut and dry. Hey, we can we can set this stuff up for you and get you certain views and you're kind of standard. And then when you want to do some of these custom events, I think that's that area where it could be a little bit more of a consultative process. We need to do a little bit of research, a little less uh, linear and obvious uh, to 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 work with, you know, the inputs of the the website, the data sets, and then what Google's willing to do with those. Um, would now be a good time too to talk to talk to the the group a little bit about, you know, how the work you put into the Google Analytics module, because uh, I, I know that for a lot of folks that logging into Google Analytics is is a pretty terrifying experience, especially if you have multiple web properties and you're trying to to drill into things. So it seems like a year or more ago now we started sort of harvesting this these views, these reports, and creating custom dashboards within the Evergreen environment. Do you want to kind of walk us through what's possible there? Yeah, the uh, at the start of the pandemic with that that first uh, lockdown, which I think was March or April, March of yeah. 2020, 2020 or twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty. Yep. Twenty twenty. Um, there were a lot. I mean, as as you said before, we've been working from our homes and been remote workers for at that point 16, 17 years. So. While everybody was scrambling around for an external monitor and a microphone and a camera, which were in vastly short supply, and I sold an external monitor that I wasn't using to a guy for basically what would be retail for like a three-year-old monitor. I would have felt bad if I charged him more than retail, but you know I barely used it, so I didn't feel so bad. But that aside, um, one of our clients, I believe it was one of our clients, they they basically said. It'd be really nice if I could view this in Evergreen. I don't I don't like going to Google. I'm like, I bet that's possible. Oh look, they have an API. Oh look, they have software, you know, accounts I can use to to, to run as a Cascade service. It's like, hey, we have a we have an analytics account for for Cascade. Just add us to your and then I'll, I'll just play with it a little bit. And uh a month later, the first uh the first evolution of that, um, the Google Analytics Cascade evergreen module was born um and it was it was very well received because it had a very specific purpose the client wanted to look at very specific metrics they wanted to see site visitors over time you know new and returning visitors some of them are pretty basic some of them are a little more advanced that took a little more uh a little more effort to work out and work and this at the time was using the the, the ga version 3 interface um, and their api and working with all that data and uh, after that was created, the the client was very appreciative of it, um, and and we saw that this could actually be really useful to to other people, and it's not meant as something better than Google Analytics because it's not. It's just way more convenient to go and log into your Evergreen homepage and be like, oh, I had this many visitors yesterday. That's a nice number. That makes me feel good, and then I don't have to go through the entire permission process, which is kind of painful dealing with Google is, is, is their permission systems. Um, but uh, just seeing that report show up and like, hey, I see the, you know, over the last 30 days, here's my daily user right on the homepage. 
that's a useful metric for anybody. Yeah. Um, well, it feels very much like Evergreen, right? Well, our goal is always give you exactly what you need and nothing more. Very purpose built. And so having that executive summary, and we've had it in the past where it's like, hey, you know, our, our clients would be pouring a bunch of resources into, let's say, Google AdWords or, you know, whether it's paid search or, or, or organic search activity. And then they would take their eye off the ball and, and you know, maybe one little thing was off on the website and, and they weren't getting the full benefit. Well, sometimes that out of out of uh, sight, out of mind can, you know, kind of harm us all. So if that's right where you need it, when you log in, assuming the person who's responsible for those metrics are also responsible for administering the website. Yeah, we, I've, I've certainly had a lot of clients that were very excited about that that function and, and really just scrubbing away all of the Google noise that they don't care about, zeroing in on the things that they do care about. And then again, like Evergreen, over time, we can expand it, we can refine it, we can drill down further to get them that the event tracking that, that really is most useful to empower their business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and since then, I mean, we've expanded it also to now encompass the, to the, uh, the, the good GA4 API, um, that, that reporting API, there's a new SDK for their, for their framework that we have to use to access the, the API. Um, the, uh, the kind of a hard thing, and, and this, this is, is true of anybody who's developing software based off of the analytics is, uh, Google vastly changed how you access the analytic data. So metric names and, and dimension, they, they call them dimensions and metrics. These names are no longer the same. And Google thankfully provided a chart of converting this, this name to this name. That was really useful, but also on the downside is they removed a lot of them. So some of the ones that we made reports for are no longer valid because GA4 just doesn't track that metric. So you either have to do without that metric or find a new way to, to derive the meaning you need from the data that's available, which is one of the things we've had to do recently for one of our clients because you know, we had these, these like five specific data points that they really, really enjoyed seeing reports for. But now we needed to create new ways and create custom reporting so that or, or custom queries of their available data to get them the number they need to get, you know, oh, what's this, what's this bounce rate now? because just GA comma bounce rate is no longer a metric, for instance. So we have to find out where people are leaving from in a more difficult fashion. Cool, thank you. Yeah, that's very helpful. But as, I love as, the idea. Yeah, but as a module, it's been, yeah, I love the frustrating idea of, and fun to work with. Yeah, I love the idea of someone logging in and seeing that scorecard uh, just already on there. I mean, that's, that is the site, is, is seeing the, the traffic, the usership, all those reports you spend that time in. And then you log in and suddenly they're there, you know, without having to log into another site, uh, like you were talking about Google, just kind of being difficult sometimes to get all the way into. So that's cool. Yeah. And, and it is meant for the mid, to, as, as you said, the mid to high level type of views of, okay, where's this going through? Because if you spend a lot of time in the Evergreen admin and you, you sell, you know, widgets, well, how many people bought widgets? That could be a chart that you can see fairly easily. Just and, and instead of going to a whole other website, logging in, searching around for this, you can just go to oh, analytics and then you know view in the, in the Evergreen interface, and then there's there's your sales of widgets. It's like oh yeah. great, we sold three hundred yesterday, two fifty the day before. Then and you can have this data that you need on your daily basis available to you through it. Well, 
recently I did a, we did a blog post about Google Analytics, about our module, about GA4. Uh, but what I see some homework for myself in the future is, is that what you were talking about, Paul, is these are the old Google Analytics terms. Here's the new ones. I think just having a, a good little resource, um, maybe I can add that to this podcast description later on, but like just like a little glossary of terms, because you're right. I mean, those terms, events, uh, event tracking, um, goals, that's a that's a huge one. And that I don't remember from Google Analytics. So that's that's interesting. Yeah. And and like GA3, GA3 slash Universal was was based off of like sessions and page views. So mm. you had. A, a, a metric called page views um, that's now changed to like just uh, I might still be page views, but I don't know the metric name exactly. I mean, there's hundreds of metrics, so I, I can't remember yeah. them all. Um, right. I do have that list bookmarked, though, so I can look them up when I'm doing <laughs> versions. Um, but uh, but the the difference in, in GA4 now, it's all about, you know, events and parameters. So that's the, the page view is now considered just an event. Okay, so what's what's the event? Somebody viewed the page. Okay, what's the event? Somebody clicked the link. Um, and also to to comply with uh, GDPR, and you know, because Google is a global company, you know, everybody goes to Google.com or Google.co.uk to to search for data because they literally have indexed pretty much every website on the planet at this point. Um, but uh, those session the, the 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 sessions used to use more than just what Google played with, so it could identify other like partner websites that Google used. Now it's just one primary cookie that Google itself uses to track a user. Um, mm -hmm. If you are logged into your Google account on your desktop on your phone, which most people are, that data can be available to them so that they can track when you switch from your desktop to your phone to make that sale of that T-shirt. They don't know your name. They don't know your email address. They don't know your phone number or anything like that. But there is a, a, a randomized ID cookie because that's what they use. And that's the only thing Google uses is a cookie that they set. Um, so that's that's the that's the first party cookie they use. Where previously they would use any data available or other systems could use the Google cookie to identify users potentially if they were being malicious, possibly. Um, okay, nice. Well, I guess uh, to wrap it up, we we keep having this kind of sense of urgency uh, about now, right? Do it now. Um, what happens? What what is the actual date, Paul? And then um, you know uh, what happens to all that data after that date? So July first, uh, I believe this at midnight of July first. Um, your GA three code on your website will stop accepting data, so it will it will cease functioning. Um, it won't collect any more metrics. It won't collect any more data. And your after that, your your GA three dashboard will show no data, no users, no no hits, no impressions, no sales, because it stopped tracking that data. And it will only start tracking GA four data, um, which is why we we kept telling clients a couple of months before, you know, install the GA four code or you know create your account and switch to GA four so you can see the historic data up until the very cutoff date. Um, but you still will have access to your GA3 data up to a year, I think, I believe I said a year afterwards, um, after, the, after the cutoff date. So also after the cutoff date, only GA4 code will start accepting user data when people visit your site. So 
you're regardless, you need to up, you need to update the code to start tracking user data. Um, but if you are a week late or something or a day late, your data is not gone. It's just not being tracked. So after July 1st, your GA3 data won't have anything in it. Um, but uh, is, if, I mean, if anybody has any, any qualms about it, it's just upgrade now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Technically upgrade last year, but upgrade now. So you don't have, if, if, uh, if, uh, if you can, it should only take maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes to, to go through the entire process from start to finish. If you have to start from absolute scratch. Um, so it, it's, it's not difficult. Just read the instructions. Um, and hopefully you have administrative access to your website. Um, I know on platform, there are some platforms like, uh, like WP engines, or if you have a WordPress site, or if you have an evergreen site, uh, you can definitely access the template. Um, I, it's been a while since, I mean, since we created our own CMS, we use that. Um, but I believe WordPress has either a plugin or some inbuilt tools to add Google tracking code to. So if all you need, all you might need is your, the little code, the little number snippet, and, uh, it will add this code to the template automatically. Um, I don't know if it, there's like Wix and some other, uh, more WYSIWYG based, uh, content management services out there. Um, I don't know if you can modify the template, but they should have something similar so that you can add that tracking code to your, your, your Wix or whatever site it is. Um, so you can keep start tracking your user data. Perfect. Okay. Well, I think that, uh, that really shed some light on it for myself. Uh, I know that we've talked about this a bunch, uh, especially of lately. So, um, we will add in, uh, as I talk to Paul over the next day or two, we'll add in some uh, some extra resources in there as we find those. Uh, but again, I, I think ultimately it would be just start by by doing that change, making that update, uh, changing to GA4. And then- Give us a phone call. We'll do it for or, yeah, or, or giving us a call, especially, well, you, you had me when you were talking about out of scope. Like I could see myself even just making the switch. Sure, I could probably do that, but- the custom event tracking, getting into those details, like that's well above my pay grade. So that's where I think it's been great to to have you come in and step in with clients and be able to help support them uh, in in create those and quite frankly, like research what they are, right? Because it's not it's not just here's your solution. It's let's figure out what the what what you're really wanting to track and how we can get that. And so there's a lot of custom. Is, is really what I've noticed. And so I, I feel like having a team, having a Paul <laughs> on your team uh, is extremely helpful. So I appreciate your time, Paul, uh, joining us. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely something somebody can do on their self, but if you have more lofty goals, by all means, give, give, us, give us a call or an email. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Well, and goals uh, being one of the keywords with uh, the new GA4, so plug there. <laughs> awesome well thank you guys thanks for joining uh listeners as always thank you uh we appreciate you following liking commenting um and if you have any questions or any uh comments you want to add to the show please email us at the webwell podcast at cascadewebdev.com uh thanks for listening thanks paul thanks ben we'll uh chat with you in another couple of weeks thanks everybody great job paul yep see you